Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm SD Wickett and I'm joined by Luke Perry and Mario Lagos. Luke, how are you today, sir? I'm very well, sitting in this Zoom meeting amongst the uh, the Polar Knights. Mm-hmm. Mario, how are you, sir? I'm good, how are you? See, Luke, that's how you respond to the question. See, nature, nature is healing. See, you have to be very English about it and not actually say how you are, just say good. You, know, you, you, you could have an axe wound in your forehead and you still be, yeah, good, how are you? Yes. Fine, or even better if you say fine. No, no, no fuss. I'm absolutely fantastic. Stop asking. Stop, stop looking at the wound. Um, speaking of wounds, um, America doesn't seem to have a uh, big red splotch over it as we thought it might have going into the uh, midterms. What was supposed to be the red wave, i.e., uh, a, a referendum on uh, the uh, frankly bizarre two years of the Biden presidency, if you can call it that, um, was more of a red trickle. Um, now we, we don't have that much to go into this week, but we, we will start on on the on the midterms and um, say how yes, um, outside of a few states, which we'll we'll get onto later on, it was a pretty resounding uh, disappointment for the uh, the old GOP. Um, Luke, what do you make of the events in America? Well, uh, unfortunately, that this week can be a sort of a post-mortem on the, the recent political tips of letters whose predictions are secretly went down in flames. What the Republicans have missed, and seemingly the Democrats as well, is that America is so divided that it basically has devout demographics who vote a certain way come hell or high water. The, uh, the, the young voters voted 70% for the Democrats, the 18 to 30 demographic, largely because they're, they're heavy socially liberal uh, the poll show Roe v. Wade did play a factor in that, and uh, they were, out of you know cultural, perhaps theological reasons, were never going to vote for the Republicans. And uh, but we also saw some success stories and some indications of the future. I think Florida and Ohio, two states with a lot of electoral votes, are in Republican hands for the foreseeable future. Mm. And with Latinos, although still a de- Democrat demographic. They are leaning Republican, so that brings Arizona back into play, brings Nevada back into play. And also, um, while Texas is, has been pretty much a firmly red state for decades at this point, there has been a creeping blue trend in Texas, and that was uh, defeated again this time around. Um, Beta, Beta O'Rourke, or Beta <laughs> O'Rourke, depending on how you want to describe that uh, that, that thing, um, lost... Um, for the third time, I believe now. Um, so Texas m- managed to stave off, you know, because it, it's it's modelled to go blue at some point, um, due to you know the, the aforementioned young population as well as the uh, exodus from Texas, from uh, California and New York, who you know uh, flee what happened in a in a blue safe state and create another one. Um, yeah, it's uh, so. Let's go into Florida, and um, um, we'll, we'll we'll start with you, Mary. I mean, we we were just talking about just now before the recording, and um, how effectively it's gone from being a purple swing state into the biggest success story of the American right in, in the last couple of decades. Yeah, so I haven't looked into the exit polls and examined the data closely, and more widely, I didn't make any predictions going into the midterms because, frankly, there weren't keenly in my focus. I wasn't thinking about them. But if I were to have made a bet, I would have hedged on a Republican victory. And it may yet transpire that we do see a Republican victory. They're still counting in Nevada and Arizona. And it looks as though Georgia is headed for a Senate runoff. And in the end, it may be that the Republicans win the House and the Senate, but by 
very small margins. That's a best case scenario for Republicans. And in any case, it would appear that Joe Biden has put on the best performance of any incumbent president, um, I suppose, since George Bush in 2002 and prior to that in many, many decades, outperforming Barack Obama. Which I, find, which, which I find very suspicious. <laughs> well, it's it's certainly curious. He he performed better than Obama did in 2008 in the general, and he's performed better than Obama in the midterm. So he's the most popular president of all time. Um, he isn't though. He he isn't though. I mean, he's 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 a he's a he's a, he's a Henry the Sixth. He's a he's a weak, bumbling old man who's quite possibly in the throes of dementia. I mean, it's it's so. It's almost like sad to watch this man be casted around and to turn by the shoulders so that he's facing the right bloody direction. Well, you know, that there's a certain amount of intrigue. Um, but, but to answer your question about Florida, Ron DeSantis won Florida by 20 points, I believe, and Marco Rubio won the Senate seat by 17 points. Hmm. And both of them flipped Miami-Dade County, which is infamously a democrat stronghold i mean any any major urban area is typically a democrat stronghold sure there um, are exceptions but yeah that's the rule um and I, as i said i haven't gone into the data but my suspicions are that they have um won in a wholesale fashion the cuban american vote and the changing demography of florida has meant that it's become a red state as a consequence. I remember in 2020 um, seeing, I think it was Vice or somebody talking about disinformation in the general election because um, Cuban Americans were hailing Republican militias as a vanguard against communism, which in a sort of esoteric sense they are actually. And this was being branded as disinformation, but there is an anti-communist alliance in some sense between Cuban-Americans and um, I suppose you'd say European-Americans and then a sliver of African-Americans for other reasons. Well, it it was, you know, it was Florida-based Cuban-Americans who, you know, stormed the Bay of Pigs. Um, Yeah. You know, the the ones who fled Cuba, the ones who aren't particularly down with the whole Castro thing. Um, and Marco Rubio is the son of those sorts of people, is he not? I, 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 I couldn't say with certainty. I, I, I don't know, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Just one more thing I want to add to that is people like Marco Rubio and the Republican Party have changed. And I don't mean because it's changing and spiraling in all different directions, in sort of the QAnon direction, in, uh, you know, Mitt Romney's direction, in... Um, it's coming away from that but it still exists that tendency but it's moving towards sort of national conservatism marco rubio spoke at the recent national conservatism conference where they're talking about the importance of not having free trade with china or other geopolitical adversaries in relation to certain strategic assets talking about border control talking about the importance of the state in a in a in a in a civic way about citizenship and what that means and um I, th- I think that's also important to record. Mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> well, it, it, it does bring to light one of the more bizarre developments, which is um, a, a, a statement made by Donald Trump, which sort of just needlessly attacked uh, DeSantis. There appears to be a sort of schism there where DeSantis, again, you know, um, if you, I mean, if you scale it up, I mean, 
what he's done in Florida is 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 you know magnitude above what what Trump did at the the federal level. Well, well Trump um, is attacking Glenn Youngkin as well, who won in Virginia. Hmm, hmm. That was that was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? He 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 he, he first won a couple of years ago. Youngkin, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got this new crop of of people who aren't you know, aren't to 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 speak purely pragmatically, aren't tainted by January sixth. Mm. Um, and DeSantis is a very, very good example of, of regional power building. Um, he's someone who, you know, who, who, who won a state and, and that state has now become a living, breathing example of reactionary American politics. Um, he's taken the sledgehammer to the progressive edifice within the, um, the, the, the state institutions, education mostly, um, and as well as against the COVID regime, um, you know, it, it it's probably a matter of, of sooner, sooner or later that he'll, you know, make a presidential run. Um, it was, I think most people generally assume that it would be, you know, Trump would have another go at it and then it would be decided after that. But um, the idea of sort of power sharing or, or any civil seems to be dead in the water now with that, frankly, bizarre statement from Trump. Well, Trump, um, he was always going to run again in 2024. And uh, DeSantis, of course, whether DeSantis thinks about declaring or not, I don't think he will, but DeSantis is the closest competition. Mm. And of course, DeSantis uh, did prove a model of red state governance. He, he stood up to sort of Biden's federal, federal sort of COVID zealots. And uh, that, that's why he is, he is just behind, well, he's second uh, most popular Republican after, of course, Trump. And uh, what will doom the Republican Party in 2024 is if DeSantis and Trump run against each other, because the American electorate does not like to see a, a divided party and Trump will burn it to the ground should he not get the nomination. Well, the thing is, it, it's already, it already is a divided party, you know, between the, um, not, not necessarily the, the, the MAGA or, or America. The, the Mitt Romney's and the Trump, yes. DeSantis right, and yeah, Trump yeah, less right. so, though it's getting there. There is a rift between the sort of nationalist camp and the establishment camp in the party. Um, you know, people like... Mitch McConnell, for instance, you know, and yeah, you know, and and that that's that's another thing where where things are being pointed, you know, within and without the party, where people saying, you know, oh, it's because of Trump that they they failed to get over the line, but really, you know, uh, Trump Trump's been out of office for two years now, and McConnell has been the the GOP's leader in the in in, in the House for, well, for several years consistently, you know, um, it's it's that sort of tepid moderate camp that you know offers nothing. Um, it's whereas... it's the Republican moderate camp. That has more in common with the Democrats than Republican who protect well, yeah, I mean, because their their job has been to be the, the Democrats' whipping boy for the last several decades. You know, um, even if you look, you know, the, the that the the elder statesmen of that camp of the GOP, people like you know George Bush, Mitt Romney, they've been welcomed with open arms. Now, you know, Bush now goes to functions with the Obamas. Um, you know, and Ellen DeGeneres at baseball games. Right, exactly. You know. Um, so in the liberal mind, it's better to kill a million people than have immigration controls. <laughs> More or less. I mean, um, so the party was already divided between, again, the moderate and the the, the nationalist camp. And now it's been fragmented because of that. Um, you know, some sort of arrangement where, you know, I think, I think it's, it'd probably be best for, for DeSantis to run in 2028. That way, you know, America really gets exposed to um, living under the jackboot of where the, the Democrats are at the moment. I think that would be the best plan as well, though. Um, 
politics isn't necessarily a rational game. It, it, it is highly based on self-interest, and particularly in America at the moment. I mean, I, I can foresee about, uh, like with the Democrats a couple of years ago, 25 Republicans running for the highest office, 20 of which no one has ever heard of before, and uh, two of which DeSantis and Trump will tear each other to shreds. Mm. And that won't look good for the voting. I also don't think it's obvious that the moderates are doing worse than the Trump-endorsed candidates. And this gets complicated because um, I don't have all the facts and figures in front of me. Anecdotes can be taken out of context. And you have to add in a particular context to adjudicate why and how candidates have underperformed, if indeed they have. So J.D. Vance underperformed the Ohio ticket. He's a Trump-endorsed candidate, but he's not a... Trumpist per se. Uh, he first became prominent with a best-selling book called the Hillbilly Elegy or Eulogy, um, uh, which recounted his story from hillbilly, so-called, to making it um, and, and re returning to his hometown, which in a sense is what he's done to improve the lives and conditions for the community that that he grew out of. So, and he's a Christian. I suppose you could call him a Christian civic nationalist. Um, we, and you could say Trump embodies particular elements of that, but I don't think you could say J.D. Vance is a Trumpist. I, I, I think that's a slightly different thing. Having said that, he underperformed vis-a-vis -vis other Republicans in Ohio. But J.D. Vance's opponent was a very right-wing Democrat who kept saying, you know, I agree with Trump on loads of things. I agree with... Um, you know, I'm against Biden. So you could say, yes, J.D. Vance underperformed. But to actually isolate the reason for that is difficult when you consider that his opponent was was trying to be more Catholic than the Pope. He's trying to be more Vance than Vance. Um, on the other hand, you look at Colorado with Lauren Boebert, who uh, is this sort of dorky. Very, very low caliber. Yeah, like a Sarah Palin QAnon character. And by the way, remember Sarah Palin lost a race, a special election race in Alaska not that long ago um, for Senate. So you've got this Lauren Boba, and it looks like she'll win by about 500 or 1,000 votes on, on present trends, if she hasn't already. It, it's so impossible to keep up with it all with these ludicrous counting mechanisms. But to only win by 500 votes when you're an incumbent opposition figure in facing this government suggests the candidate structure and perceptions are wrong. But the overriding thing as far as I can divine, or also Blake Masters doing very badly, but then Carrie Lake, who is really uh, associated with QAnon, legitimately or not, I don't know the case well enough, she's outperforming Blake Masters, who's like a Silicon Valley guy, Christian nationalist. Mm -hmm. So you'd think it'd be the reverse. But again, his opponent's Mark Kelly, who's an astronaut and was married to um, the, the previous senator who was beloved and shot in an assassination attempt. So... To actually isolate all the individual factors, I think if anybody's saying they've got the answer right now, they're wrong. It would take weeks and months of post-mortem to come to a conclusion about what's happened here. Then mm. it may not be worth talking about much longer. <laughs> not, not, not at the present moment, not when they are still literally counting votes in Nevada and Arizona, and it's been well mm. more than it should take. Considering Sunderland's done in a matter of hours. See, that's the part that I've always find very, very bizarre is that it takes, you know, um, so long to actually get the results in where, you know, obviously the UK is a much smaller country, but still, you know. But that's not consistent with all of the United States. Florida is a much bigger state. 
populace wise than Arizona. And that's got some quite isolated regions, particularly in the north and the panhandle, and very, very swampy. That, you know, 97% reporting within 24 hours. Hmm. And Nevada is still at about 75%. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I think my mind keeps circling back to uh, the DeSantis um, matter in Florida. Where, you know, again, to, to recap someone who's uh, taken regional power and is sort of doing you know, remarkably well with it. It's sort of, um, it almost feels like it, it, it would lose it if he if he did step above that station. Say same with someone like you know, uh, Tucker Carlson, who you know is is um is a very sort of reliable media head for that section of the GOP. I don't think it would make sense for him to step outside of you know broadcasting. Um, but the 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 success of someone like DeSantis, both electorally and in terms of you know what he's achieved in office, it sort of it, it does speak slightly to mine and luke's theory of you know escaping the falling tower almost it's it's um it's it's taking power regionally and and, and sort of cultivating that rather than focusing on the on the top down picture obviously it would be far more difficult in the uk barring some sort of you know uh central collapse event but uh you know it's, it's still something to think about yeah well what has DeSantis done we know he <clears throat> resisted lockdowns or at least the extent of lockdowns but what has Ron DeSantis actually done in Florida I mean the things that spring to mind to me are you know banning critical race theory in schools or making noise about it um you know that's not nothing that isn't nothing I mean that's that that's a very big part of the 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 progressive how how the progressive apparatus sort of renews itself in new generations where they it, it sort of have a stranglehold on schooling through which they teach progressive assumptions as if they were fact you know so tackling that at, at the root and the mo and the 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 part of, part of that that, that, that that you know garners the most anger and has the worst general PR it's a good beachhead to form from from whence you can then you know um, begin to sort of pick apart more parts of the progressive apparatus in, in, in schooling. Yeah, um, I'm not saying it's nothing, but in, in my mind, his success sort of belies the fact that he hasn't been revolutionary. No. Um, I don't see any sweeping changes. I don't see an economic restructuring. I don't see uh, some... Is that not is that not just sort of tactical maneuvering though? I mean, if you if you do too much too quickly, you know, something, you know, so, so, something quite dark can come your way. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's an observation more than a criticism. That's just my, you know, it's just my. Uh, yeah, sure. But I mean, I I I do believe that you know the dismantling of the progressive apparatus would need to be incremental. Um, as not to, you know, uh, harness the full ire of the regime. Uh, well, I suppose, yeah, I mean, you can't, the problem is you ha you can't displace the entire civil service all in one go because oh. the country would collapse. Uh, but, but with America, uh, as you say, when you can have a regional power base and start creating your own staff and your own central apparatus, then, then yeah, you can, you can do it one stage at a time. But some places are unconquerable. Some some places you can't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Oregon, California. You, you're not conquering Washington. Manhattan's financial district. You can forget that. Yeah, Washington D.C., uh, um, Illinois. It's never happened. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it it wouldn't ever really be there. It would be in a sort of in a provincial 
uh, purple state. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm not poo-pooing the point. I'm just because again, you know, I mean, it's just a complete waste of time to try and target a, a blue base. And if you do that, so like Alabama or Missouri, you're kind of singing to the choir, you know, <laughs> or preaching to the choir. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um... It's it, again. It's different things. Like, we, we, we're talking about America, which is still, you know, at least on paper, federalized. You know, there is still regional power. Um, getting a bunch of people onto a city council, I don't think it would really do anything. You know, and like unlike the Tory party, the GOP does still have, you know, a, a nationalist faction within it that, you know, clearly as we've seen, holds you know some regional prominence. Um, there's no such thing in the Tory party. You know, any, anyone who who at first initially seemed to be reactionary was just sort of completely wetted the nearer they got to the party nucleus, making people like, you know, uh, Steve Baker, who at one point was, was a firebrand, or, or Mock, you know, the nearer they get to the, to the centre of it, um, the, the, more, the more that they become very just tepid and spineless, which brings up an, a, another point close to home, which is um, uh, Reform UK is kind of surging in polls um, but by the looks of it, which, you know, is, is I'm not that optimistic about it because, you know, the Tory party is just at this point, a, a virtuoso at prolonging itself. Um, but I mean, anything that, that now flanks the party from the right is sort of something to sort of take note of. Well, the thing about Reform UK is that they, although they're the successor to UKIP, they're actually the inverse of UKIP. UKIP outflanked the Tory party to the cultural and social right and outflanked it economically to the left. And although Farage has done a reverse ferret and sort of um, revealed himself as a Thatcher um, adorer, and he constantly goes on about tax cuts, that's not how he won with UKIP or the Brexit party. That was never, they used to have Patrick O'Flynn doing the economic policy with things like a Robin Hood tax. Mm. Uh, they used to promise massive infrastructure investment. They used to, um, I'm quite sure, used to have... Um, a hardline position on reclaiming dodged corporation tax. I might be wrong on that one, but that's, from my recollection, rings true. Now, Reform UK is saying we're going to cut taxes um, and be a Thatcherite party, and they're not really sounding off about uh, immigration, which you think is the one thing they'd hammer all day. And then to sort of um, to complement that, the cultural issues they do get involved with seems to be sort of climate change, um, and when people go off on climate change in a dissident direction, it's very easy to quickly end up in like a mad place. Mm. Um, so Reform UK were recorded at 8% in a recent poll, although I've seen some disputes as to how reliable that pollster is and their propensity to under underrate the Tories and overrate reform. But let's take it as a given they've grown in recent weeks and months. Um, I, I'd sort of frankly have rather have the Tory party than Richard Tice on present policy platform that Reform are putting forward. Another thing too, and it, it's kind of a nitpick, but Reform UK is a terrible name. I actually think in light of recent circumstances, it's come back around, like, you know, how fashion comes in and out. I mean, with the state the UK's in, Reform UK is... It's, it didn't make any sense at first, but I think now it makes a little bit of sense. No, it just doesn't... Yeah. It may it may make sense in terms of the current zeitgeist, but like it doesn't inspire anything in me. But I, but I suppose then you, you know if you use anything with sort of you know English or British imagery in in the name, you kind of get accused of being a nationalist party. Um, 
you know, no, oh yeah, but I mean, they should um, welcome those slings and arrows because at least it would get them a bit of PR. You know, at least it get them out and about. Oh no, you know, Labour will go to their conference and have this huge, absolutely enormous Union Jack, and all be singing the national anthem and in reforms UK say, oh, we'll just have a blue arrow because we're worried about being, you know, called too patriotic or something. You know? Yeah, but the state of UK politics is proven by the fact that. Keir Starmer is trying to, you know, sort of court the Red Bull voters back by not being a liberal loon. But not being a liberal loon gets you in trouble with the uh, the Liberal Party, of course. Uh, when, when Keir Starmer says that we should stop our dependence on foreign NHS workers and perhaps, you know, train our own for a change, first time in generations, he was lambasted by the, the, the sort of Twitter Liberal Inc. I, so do, that, I do wonder if the Tories will, will ever try and flank Keir Starmer from the left. You know, well, if, they are. And, and call if, out, if not, call if not in rhetoric in policy, because no. Rishi Sunak, first thing he does is, uh, oh, there's all climate reparation, oh, ban fracking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do outflank them from the left on economic policy. No, no, no I mean, what I mean is, on, uh, is, is try and criticise Keir Starmer, like PMQs for his, you know, stance on immigration or something like well, that. Well, they're all, well, they're already sort, sort of doing that by saying that uh, Labour has never had a woman leader. Yeah. When yeah. Boris Johnson said, oh, look, we got the most gays in the parliament's ever seen mm. i remember there. sort of uh, when uh, the brexit passport contract was handed to a sort of french firm based in poland yeah and a labor mp stood up and said how is this taking back control how does this help british workers and whoever was the prime minister at the time uh, uh, must have been boris he said, well, are you against free trade? This is, you know, fantastic. We're the internationalists. So typical nativist Labour, always wanting to help British workers. You know, not quite that, but it was on par with that with that sort of thing. And this is one of the things in politics. People are just playing sort of parlour games where, you know, musical chairs, oh, well, you've said this, and I think that's a little bit far out, so I'm going to outflank you. And it's just, a, it's, um, uh, what, what did Gramsci call it? A war position. It's just, it's just, it's it's what makes me lose interest, you know. How it's all, it's, you're right. It's just this like soundbite game of musical chairs, you know. It's just, it's just, it's just theatre. It's just pro wrestling at this point. Yeah, what well, takes Starmer's comments that you raised? He's not going to enact a single policy that's going to train British workers to become nurses. There's, there's no policy he's going to enact to do that. He's not going to reduce immigration. He's going to increase it. But you know, he he uh, his focus groups. And advisors have instructed him that he needs to appeal to people who are anti-immigration. So he'll just go out and say some stuff. And if people criticise him on Twitter, then you know everyone in Labour HQ celebrate it. It's it's very draining to think. Yeah, it, the, it's the, draining it, because it's useless. There are much better ways to spend your time than mm -hmm. um, thinking about you know fake parliamentary politics. Because I know we've beaten this point to death on the podcast that the Tories won elections solely on rhetoric. They take back control. They will cut immigration to the tens of thousands. But no, immigration is the highest as it's ever been under a so-called far-right government. Mm. Yeah, the most far-right government of all time. Yeah, that that, that now uh, where forty percent of first-generation immigrants have arrived in the last ten years, and there's only there's only one party ruling then. Unlike oh, the coalition to some extent, but yeah. Aren't like one in six Albanians in the UK now, like one in ten Albanians or some remember 2%, that's an underestimate. Two percent of the adult male population illegally entered the UK over the past year, it's estimated. 
and they've been cooked up, not cooked up, they've been cooped up in hotels, four or five star accommodation on nice beachfront properties, and um, they're proving to be a great pillars of the community. It, it's, it, it's, it, you, you just look and you, you just see just absolute calamity in every direction you look in. And it's, it's... Because the, the, the British elite, political or otherwise, does not have the interests of the British people at heart. Mm. This, this country is to be Klaus Schwab's economic zone. Mm. Well, I do like something, something that um, Dominic Kranis, aka Brevo, said on Twitter recently, which was um, that a sort of, a, a, not necessarily regime change, but a, a, some sort of successful cultural insurgency is probably more likely to happen in the UK than in, in the US, where the US is too soon into its decline spiral to really... Um, you know, take the the difficult decisions that are, that are required. Whereas we've been in that for the better part of a century. Um, people people are bored of the client now. Well, what what changes nations and civilizations is a uh, one economics and two crime and disorder. Mm. And uh, we, we've got the most unaffordable housing in Europe. The the people most overqualified for jobs, myself included. And um, you can just see disorder unfolding on our streets. And Britain is now essentially the meeting place of the world, and it's brought all the world's problems with it. Hence why you have ghetto cities. Hence why Leicester goes up in flames. Hence why when Pakistan loses a cricket tomorrow, there goes Bradford. Mm. Yeah, I mean, basically everything comes down to the fact that the liberal assumption is that all human beings are... It'd be a nice melting pot where we all sing Kumbaya, Sing well, it with his comrades. Well, it's contradictory in that sense because, on one level, we're all interchangeable economic units, and on another level, um, foreign populations are going to enrich us with their vibrant cultures, and we're going to have this wonderful multicultural society to displace this boring, horrid black and white world that English people lived in until takeaways opened. Mm. Uh, and of course, the reality is that um, countries are people, and when you import people from other countries, you get other countries. So um, every, the, the social contract is being stretched to its breaking point when old age pensioners face the real prospect of freezing to death in winter and illegal Albanian migrants with convictions for drug dealing and murder are put up in five star hotels. Um, and the fabric of British society is, is being ripped apart. Mm. And it's all based on that wrongheaded assumption and, it, and it's sort of too late to backtrack. Um, the social contract in Britain has the social contract is is completely shattered. Again, you mentioned the, the part of the obvious watching the nation vanish from beneath them, uh, but also for the rest of societies on the news, there's like, no one can get a dental appointment. Mm. Your, yeah, chi only... your children can't get into schools because of um, inward migration. The only reason I can see people justifying a right wing fatuist revival is because nobody wants to pay taxes to fucking. Fix... Excuse me. Nobody wants to pay taxes to fund all the sponges. You know what? People want to get out of the tax system as much as possible because it's all wasted. Mm. Is it, it's it, it's spent to spent on on you know on the on the trebuchet that is flinging balls at your own house. You know, like who who would pay for that? You know, that's that's, that's another thing. I mean, we, we mentioned earlier we sort of skirted around. The idea of climate reparations, the UK signing up for a you know a trillion pound uh, donation effort to you know various third world countries that, that's about it's about a third of our GDP you know well uh, it's not the UK that's uh, paying that whole thing this is 
so that's obviously horrendous, but at least it's in the context of an international agreement, which wins you brownie points with all your G7 mates and everything. What's more extreme and ridiculous is that Ed Miliband said the UK should be giving direct payments to Pakistan um, to to apologise and to repatriate. Uh, um, for what? In the state that? of Leicester, Pakistan should be giving reparations to us. Well, quite. For, for what, though? I mean, as far as like net pollution goes, it's not... It's not us that's doing them over, it's their bloody next door neighbour. No, China's polluted, put out more CO2 into the atmosphere in the last eight years than we did for the entire yeah. Industrial Revolution. And India, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and both, like, both nations are building coal power stations like there's no tomorrow. Because China, like, they're going all over the place. Because like that, that's why I see it as nothing else than a front for like managed decline, because there's there's like... If you if you push even slightly on the logic wall, it just crumbles into dust. You know, um, like what what else can we do? Got more of our, our energy? We haven't got anything left. You know, we don't make anything anymore. We import practically all of our energy, and the one the ones that we do make on on, on the island are inefficient and, and shit. Like like you know, wind power and, and hydroelectric and solar generates nothing. Our economy is based on fake fiat money. That's that's just passed round into an infinite smaller pieces. It's the service we don't produce anything. We have no resources. Yeah, it's the service we're entirely at the whim of global events, and we have nothing to defend ourselves with. Like that's a dire state of affairs. When you know, at one point, you know, um, in in the northeast there was massive shipbuilding yards. You know, um, in various parts of the country there was massive mining ex- exports, and massive steel works, and all, all that thing. And now. Essentially, our major econ- our major industry is just a fugazi. You know, it's just it's, it's nothing. It's 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 pure speculation. It's, it doesn't mean anything. And and the one thing about that industry that that sort of get, gets me the most is that um, I've known a lot of very smart people, young people throughout my years, people who are you know who are Oxbridge graduates who you know could have done any number of things. They could have been tremendous writers or, you know, very important researchers or anything like that. And they, they, just, got, they just went straight into finance because, you know, it's, 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 it's lucrative, right? Not only is it, you know, just pure speculation with, you know, pretend money. Um, and not only, you know, if, if someone messes up a trade, then we all, we all get hit by it. Because it's, it's, it's pensions, it's ISIS, that sort of thing. But also it, it, is, it, it is causing a, a, an internal brain drain, you know, like... Um, Realistically, you know, a, 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 an Oxbridge history graduate who's very passionate about history and knows everything about it should really be working in a quango, or or, or a museum, or a gallery. Yeah, you know? but but because of the way our economy is gone, it only makes sense for that for that person to then go and work in finance because that's what yeah the incentive structure um, serves as a black hole that sucks you into the city of London, um, meaning that um, functionaries the, the um, Positions are occupied by um, sort of midway activists um, who who want to implement their pathological social and societal agendas and impose those upon the country. Um, so it's an interesting point actually about how much of our talent is um, in those sectors rather than actually running the country. Which that's the thing. That the one thing the UK doesn't really seem to have is like an international brain drain. You know, we aren't we aren't losing our graduates to foreign countries. They're either going into jobs that they're horrendously overqualified for, or going into um, finance. 
I think there's a fair amount of people who go to Australia and the US. Jobs, job, but not not enough to label it brain drain. No. It's, it's yes, it's not a brain drain as such. We do have. It's it's like when we talk about the police. The police is very well funded, and there are more police than there's ever been per capita of the population. But it's both incredibly useless at deterring crime and incredibly skillful in uh, locking up people for bad tweets. Mm. Is that true about the police? Is more per capita than ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. Police, police numbers are, are significantly higher than back when we had effective policing. Significantly high. I, mean, I mean, obviously, the numbers are padded out by um, bureaucratic staff and admin staff um, and, and like sort of you know, support officers and, uh, and that sort of thing. But yeah, no, the, the amount of police is, has, has skyrocketed, but the caliber has gone in the exact opposite, opposite direction. I mean, um, it, was, it used to be you, you had to be a man of at least like five foot eleven or at least six foot to be a police officer. You, you had to be at least some to actually tackle a criminal. You had to be physically imposing, yeah. right? Where I was walking back from the pub the other day and I walked past like a, like a chippy and inside were a group of cops, uh, coppers, and literally not a single one of them looked physically imposing. You had, you know, two women who were five foot eight at least you had a, a spindly skinny man and a, uh, you know, and, a, and a rather portly man not a single one of those is going to do anything about a violent albanian gangster trying to deal coke on the street you know like nothing is going to happen there you know um the only good police we have are firearms officers who are the absolute um i don't yeah. know if the best in the world but they are high spec elite guys but the and, rest um, of them there's about 40 of them nationwide they all fit in the back of a of a minute, yeah. I'm being hyperbolic here, but like there's about forty nationwide, and they're pretty much only in major urban areas. Like pretty most of them are in London, yeah, um, at Buckingham Palace or that Downing Street. Um, and yes, you're right. They're, they're the ones, you know, who sprint towards someone who may have you know suicide vest on, you know, like and 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 praise be to them. But for the most part, the Barbie on the beat is someone who is you know fulfills the almost the the revenge of the nerd archetype, you know, the sort of the 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 point Dexter who spent his formative years having his head shoved down a bloody toilet to now seems to take revenge on you know, on on the on the jocks of, of society rather than actual wanton criminals. To, you know, if we lived in a high trust, low crime society, if we hadn't have imported mass levels of crime, then this wouldn't be a problem. No. Now, this might seem like an absurd comparison, but it's the one that sprung to mind, and therefore it's the one I'll deliver. In North Korea, in Pyongyang, the people directing the traffic are female um, traffic officers, right? They're commanding the entire city of Pyongyang's traffic with hand signals. And nobody gets out and kicks off at them and, you know, starts beating them up. And the women aren't expected to be able to tackle Albanian drug dealers and firearms offenders because there's no need. Because, of, well, on the one hand, massive state imposition and the threat of gulag, but also secondarily, because I don't think people in Pyongyang would be inclined to do that. Mm. Well, the state, there's a few things there, I mean, to tangent into North Korea. In North Korea, the state has a monopoly on violence, and North Korea has, like, a snitching culture. Um, you, you're required to snitch in North Korea. So, I mean, uh, criminality probably wouldn't get you very far at all, um, unless you're wearing, like, military fatigues. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on the matter of just policing in the UK, I mean, a, a big part of this is the degree requirement. So you have officers who not only are, you know, um, physically lesser than, than what they once were, they're also institutionalised. You know, 
they they because don't all coppers now have to go to university. Yeah, right. So, so they, so they have to basically the put themselves through the liberal meat grinder. Yes, yeah, so, teach them all so, these fashionable opinions and then send them into an industry that basically means you are in charge of what's good and what's not allowed. Yeah, you know, yeah, like you know, sovereignty who interprets, right? And they're the ones who they're the ones who are interpreting the Communications Act or the Equalities Act. You know, they're they're the ones who you know come to your house and nicking you in the dead of night. Um, yeah, the, um, the, there was I think there was I don't know what there was in London, but someone was holding up a Russian flag or something, and there's two five foot one coppers approaching and say, uh, you, "You can't do that. Uh, that's offending people. That's upsetting people, and so we're going to have to arrest you." Okay. Meanwhile, so, meanwhile, meanwhile, someone probably had their phone stolen at knife point about five miles away. Yeah, that probably just, about thirty. Yeah, yards yeah I mean, like I'm, I, I don't have the precise numbers on hand, but I mean the 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 solution rate of of robberies and and you know sort of violent crimes beneath murder are remarkably low. Yeah, the the primary role of the British police is to give you a crime reference number. Yeah, like um, I, 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 so. Uh, have I told you the story about when my wheels got robbed off my car? <laughs> Never told you that. that was all, all four of them. All four. Wait, of them. Were you in Liverpool by chance? I was in Birmingham. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. Right. So I went back to my car and it was sort of like nighttime. I thought, oh, my car's on a bit of a wonk. I must have a flat tire or something. And as I got closer, I realised that it was sitting on four piles of bricks with a jack under it. <laughs> um, so. How long were they there for? They could just pile up bricks. Probably two well, coppers drove past while well, they were doing there uninterrupted for about 20 minutes. You're right. It was on a residential area as well. I mean, Is this Selly was... Oak? No, uh, it, it wasn't Selly Oak. It wasn't Barlow. And I rang the police and it was, it was really raining. It was dark. There was a storm coming on. And um, I was on the phone to them for about an hour in these horrible conditions and they said what's your parents religion you know they're trying to divine if it's a hate crime and what's your religion what's your race they didn't ask me what my gender identity is because it was this was a few years ago they probably would if it was today and they kept me on the phone for an hour with all these questions and at the end of it i said so how long are you going to be they said oh we won't come out here's your crime reference number for the insurance company uh, I, I just thought you're a bunch of wankers there's a jack under the car don't you want to come and dust it for fingerprints they've left all their tools here there's there's the bricks here can you test the bricks and see who's bought these bricks in this area or is there a yard that has these bricks you know uh, can you ask a witness can you ask somebody do an investigation no no here's a crime reference number um funny enough i had to um arrange for a truck to come and pick the car up and put new wheels on it and everything and when, so when I went back out to my car, one of the local fellows comes out and he says, oh, that's your car, is it? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, oh, that'll be them from over there. And he sort of pointed across, you know, to some campsite or whatever. He said, oh, yeah, that'll be them. You know, everybody knows who's doing this in mm. the area, right? It's this particular um, encampment or gang or whatever the hell they are. Um, and, you know, the police just allow them to go around and steal stuff and don't even bother to, yeah. to investigate. Yeah. Yeah, I, it. I mean, I was absolutely stunned listening to that story. I mean, the, again, that 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 just you know that's just what happens in in a society that is no longer high trust, right? I mean, like once upon a time, you you probably would have known the coppers by name, right? You know, um, 
and they're a bit on. Now your neighbours by now. Yeah, well, yeah, precisely. You know, it's like um, I was telling you guys in a in a call the other day about the um the bike index. You know how um every year there's a survey. You know, would you leave your bike unlocked by a shop for five minutes while you went inside? And the number has gone down and down and down, and now it's in single digits. It's like eight percent of people would. You know, I have this running um. I don't know if you call it a joke per se, but the only time I see a police officer is at McDonald's, right? That's yeah. the only time I see a police officer. And every time I go to a McDonald's, which is fortnightly to monthly, I say to the person I'm with, whoever that may be, I guarantee there's going to be a police officer. And sometimes they're incredulous and sometimes they like know it or agree. And 100% of the time, I go to McDonald's, there is at minimum one police car at McDonald's. I never see a police officer on the streets. I never see a police officer doing any work. The only time you see them is at McDonald's or with a speed trap sitting there to catch you doing 31 miles an hour in a 30 zone, you know. Mm. The, the, the only time I, I see police are speed traps or, or when I go down to London and, and they have guns as big as themselves. Uh, yeah, they're either, they're either in a car or in some sort of unhealthy food establishment yeah they're always in they're always insulated from the general public yeah. um yeah. and even if like even on the rare occasion that i do see a few walking on the beat they're always just talking to each other they're not looking around you know yeah. um it's 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 i mean i don't want to use the phrase anarcho tyranny because it's a bit touch grass but i mean it's 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 not it's not too far from the truth i mean criminality goes not even unpunished but like uninvestigated right look from the way i understand that term from what i understand it and that's not a comprehensive understanding i think it's accurate in the sense that you know these people blockading the m25 mm-hmm. um a police officer was injured by a lorry crashing into him and they, they'd caused a pile up people are dying in ambulances people are missing their parents funerals People are having important engagements in their lives um, destroyed by being blockaded. Um, and these people, they make them cups of tea. Are you all right? They don't make any attempt to remove them. They never go to prison. They're never charged. If they are charged, the judicial system acquits them. Now, if I said something pertaining to any of the um, more controversial issues we've discussed so far in this show, and if I said something about those in a way that wasn't entirely considered or was too forthright or too politically incorrect, um, I would be arrested. I guarantee I'd be arrested. In your home? Uh, yeah, my, my house would be raided and I would be arrested and probably convicted for some kind of um, transgressive speech. Communications act or something. Right. Um, but if I go and join a far-left Marxist extremist group, then I'm giving carte blanche to attack galleries, blockade motorways, um, throw paint over buildings, commit vandalism, um, and who knows where it will end. Mm. It's, yeah, it, it's... <clears throat> oh, just one more, just one more I want to add. Femi was chasing, um, who's the Brexit negotiator? David Frost, he was ch- sprinting. Did you see this footage? So he was following David Frost down the streets while filming himself. And David Frost said, and there's a line here as to whether it's journalistic activity or harassment. But David Frost repeatedly said, I don't, I'm not doing a street interview. He continued to follow him and bother him. 
Frost met two police officers and he asked them to detain or, you know, at least protect him from the individual, right? So the police officer stopped Femi for about five to ten seconds while Frost continued to walk up, up the road. And then Femi sprinted at full speed after David Frost in full view of the two police officers who did absolutely nothing. Now, they don't know who Femi is. David Frost didn't know who Femi is. And yet they're allowing somebody to sprint full speed after a senior politician on the streets of London without with, and, and turning away, literally turning their backs on them and metaphorically washing their hands of it. And, and you know, in, this in the, in the climate of David Amos and Joe Cox and so on. You can literally sprint after politicians and the well, but when somebody called Anna Subri a Nazi, weren't they convicted for that? Yeah, I mean, someone someone was just convicted for destroying mince pies. A seventy-two-year-old man, you know, interference with evidence. Yeah, like it, 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 it must be by design. There's no way this is just happening. This is just emergent behaviour. This is it's, it must. Yeah, be the, the clear political bias. And with, I think, how the stat, with how the statutes were written and have been applied, yeah, yeah any definitely any, deliberate. Any copper younger than you know thirty, right? Just just give me an example, or even even forty, has entered the police force after being effectively lobotomized by, by three to four years of you know institutional bombardment. Um, it, yeah, it's 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 just here's another great example. So strange, right? Yeah, go on. So the, the Colston Four went to Bristol, committed riotous acts, pulled down the statue of Colston and then threw it into the harbour, then went to court and said, we did it. OK, they put their hands up and said, we did it. And they were all totally acquitted. Mm. OK. And then, now, and, then, and then the, the, the torn down and vandalised statue was then displayed in an art museum. Right. They were celebrated. They were rewarded. Mm. Um, Further to that, when there was a counter-protest in London in response to statues being pulled down, the police were ready with riot gear to smash skulls in when previously they'd ran away from BLM protesters. Now they were ready to smash the counter-protesters. And, th and this was within an overnight window. Because right. th that same week, BLM was going on its rampage through London, chasing the police, throwing stuff at them, getting coppers to kneel. And then, oh, when some, you know, white football fans turn up, yeah. Individuals urinated against a wall, and at the bottom of the wall was a memorial to Keith Palmer, PC Keith Palmer, who died defending Parliament. Now, this guy who's done this is obviously a complete idiot. He was, he was pissed out of his mind as well. He was pissed out of his mind. He was drunk. The last hooligan. There was no. There was no intent to do what he did, though. There was intent to urinate in public, which is a crime. There was no intent to deface the memorial, but he did deface the memorial. And I'm not opposed to him facing sanctions as a result for his carelessness. Although legally it's complex because you, you do need mens rea or intent, but whether it's unlimited liability, I don't know. But that's a tangent. So to return to the point, he, as soon as he realised what he'd done, handed himself into the police. So he handed himself into the police, profusely apologised, explained that he didn't mean to do it as was obviously apparent and he went to prison yeah they put him in prison they gave him a judicial sentence but the people who tear down the colston statue 
don't are fully acquitted, even though they admit it. And although, although to add to that, in, in a bizarre moment of you know Nietzschean synchronicity, I've just seen a headline that one of the organisers who helps run the demo at the top of the statue of Colson has just been charged with fraud, um, linked to uh, like effectively siphoning fundraising money. That's just BLM Twitter tea, isn't it? Zara Salim. I wonder if she'll get acquitted. Probably. After admitting to the crime and having evidence that she committed it. Because the, mean, the people brought down the coal section, they're all on camera. If uh, if somebody says, well, um, it's not quite as morally poignant because Colston was a controversial character, let's just pretend that's a, a convincing argument. In that same period, a protester, a BLM protester, climbed onto the cenotaph and, and burned the attempt, union attempt, hand. Attempted to light. Luckily, they're coated in uh, flame retardant. But I mean, it, it was yeah. Um, I think that person was given a caution after about yeah. six months. I mean, he he looked about fourteen. But 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 he wasn't. Um, maybe I'll Google this while you guys carry on. Yeah. Well, I, I think after the day that the cenotaph was defaced. There were um, people from the, the young people from think that the local army regiment or something. They were cleaning it hand and soap. A big harass. And then, then some, you know, middle class black activists behind them. It really splits Britain in two by saying, "Oh, they're your memorials. They're your figures. They're your history." But we're not one nation anymore. Yeah. Going back to the points of what we've been talking about the past two years. I th I think that is very telling. The use of your um. Your. That that that, Us and them. that is someone who is probably a second, third, or fourth generation immigrant who yeah. you know, um, feels zero affinity with, with with the country that they're in. <laughs> right, this is this crazy. Well, what have you found, Maria? So the first result is Reuters doing a fact check. Okay, so they're doing some debunking. So I typed in protester burns union jack on senator the first result is fact check protester wrongly accused of setting fire to union flag on london wall was film doing it <laughs> right 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 but what they've done is they've got a social they, so this is the article in its entirety which is very short social media users have shared a photo wrongly claiming it shows a protester who climbed on the cenotaph to set fire to the union flag in the photo a man is seen holding a placard that reads uk invented racism Somebody's commented that on social media and shared that post. This is not true. While a woman did attempt to set the flag on the cenotaph on fire during anti-racism protest on June 7th, she's clearly not the same person as the man pictures holding Right, okay, so it's a case of mistaken identity, but the first result trying to find this is protester wrongly accused. That's the headline. If you Google it, it says protester wrongly accused. Well... That's well, it. I guess I guess Roos is, is just the the omnipotent beast. It always has been. Well, I mean, it's, it's right it's in 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 the eyes of um, the English legal system, it is more egregious to defend national insignia than it is to desecrate it. The individual's nineteen years old, and they avoided jail, um, despite still legally being an adult. Yeah. Had to pay three hundred and forty pounds in court costs. That was the, um, that was the punishment. Oh, that's that bumps UT gone. So, anyway, uh, I think uh, on that on that note, we 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 may leave it there for this week. It's been a bit of a bit of a rambling one, bit of bit of an aimless ramble. But uh, you know, we, we've uh, we've we've enjoyed ourselves, haven't we? I think we have. Ecstatic.
Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Cheers.